0: Somebody ought to say amen. (laughs) How many got that? Did you get it? (laughs) Why don't you stand with me right now? I want you to take your Bibles and get them in the air and and move off your stool. (laughs) Uh, We're going to let Jesus have the stool tonight, amen? (laughs) We're going to let him sit right there and let him have it, amen? Amen. Repeat after me. Thy word word is a lamp lamp, and to to my feet and a light unto my pathway the word of God the word of God is my textbook I need it I'll study it I want to live by it the word of God is my textbook praise God let's pray right now father in heaven God we want you to be on the throne of our lives and, Father, we admit that this, this thing is a fight to let go and let you have your way. Father, all of our lives, we thought our fight was against flesh and blood. But, Father, just as the video showed us, we're beginning to understand that the real fight, the most dangerous fight that we have, the most painstaking fight, an energy-depleting fight that we have, is not even against Satan. But it's against ourselves and our will. And God, tonight, we just want to surrender. We lift our hands towards heaven tonight. And before we even preach the word, we just say, Father, oh, we want to make the right choice. We want to make the choice that that says yes to you, God. Oh, God, may it not be like it was for the lady in that video where we made the choice by default by not saying yes to you. Oh, God, we say yes right now. And wherever you want to take us. Oh God, and we know we're afraid. We're afraid of where you're going to take us, Father. Because we're afraid of the unknown. We're so used to being in control of our lives. But God, tonight, Lord, we know that your way is better than ours. And so we declare and proclaim wherever you take us, God. We trust and we know that you know what's best for us. So take us now on this journey through your word. And even tonight... We believe that the Word of God will lead us exactly where we need to go. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. And amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord, everybody. Uh, I said praise the Lord, everybody. The Lord. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. God is good. Let's put our hands together and give God some great praise in here tonight. Amen. The fight of our lives. The fight of our lives. I'm ready to review and get right into the Word. 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6 describes to us what we have been talking about. If you're a first-timer here tonight, uh, we want you to just sit back and relax and just enjoy yourself as we teach the Word of God. Uh, we have the scriptures on the screen for you. Most of them are taken either out the New King James Version or the New International Version of the Bible. Either way, it's all the Word of God. But I encourage you to check to see that which is being taught is from the Bible. Uh, how many believe that, uh, a pastor is a good thing, but you really want to hear what God has to say. Just raise your hand if, if you agree with that. Great. So this is what the Bible says in first Timothy six and verse 12, it says fight the good fight of what Of faith." So the fight, understand now when we talk about the fight of our lives, we're talking about a faith fight. How many know that to be true that every day you are fighting for your faith? That's what that story was about on that video. It's a choice to trust in God. That's why the Bible says trust in the Lord. With all your heart and lean not. Oh, this is a tough thing right here. I do this every day. I'm going to admit it. I lean to my own understanding. How many of you can admit tonight that you've made too many choices on your own? (laughs) Oh, man. God, help me to lean not to my own understanding, but in all my ways, in all my decisions, acknowledge him and this, this is what the word of God, this is the promise. The Bible says he will direct our paths. How many want God to direct every step that you make? I think he knows better than we do. Would you say amen? amen. So it is a fight of faith. What kind of fight is it, everybody? It's a fight of faith. Praise the Lord. And so uh, we discovered that Satan, there is a cosmic, and what I mean by cosmic, I mean there is a big supernatural fight going on. And we discovered this in Revelation 12. And it's a fight, the Bible says in Ephesians 6, that is not against flesh and blood. Now, I'm not saying that to scare you, but you need to understand here that the fight we're talking about for your faith, you need to know that the only person trying to stop you from having faith is not just yourself or your co-worker or your boss or your ex-husband or your kids. But there is a satanic, demonic, evil force that is trying to prevent you from trusting in God. Specifically trusting in what God says. So we figured out that Satan hates God's what? Satan hates God's law. And God's law is a manifestation or a revelation of his character. And then we also discovered that his character is... His character is love. The Bible says, for God is love. And then his love will lead us to Jesus. So watch what Satan's doing. Satan wants to steal your faith. He wants to steal your faith in who God is. If he can get you to stop trusting in who God is, then you'll not have faith in God. If you don't have faith in God, you won't trust anything that God says. If you don't trust anything that God says, you won't know what his law is. And if you don't know what his law is, his law which reveals who you are will no longer lead you to Jesus. And notice now, God's whole desire is that he might be in relationship with you. If he's in relationship with you, then you'll trust him and then he'll lead you in the right way. Who says amen to that very short summary I just gave? (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So Satan doesn't want you to get to God. How many have found that to be true in your own personal lives? I mean, one of the things I found out, let me just blacken the screen for a second. One of the things I find out is you can know what Satan is afraid of by what he tries to keep you from doing. Look at your life and see all the things that are super important that you should be doing that you find yourself not doing. That's by design. The enemy does not want you thinking positive. The enemy does not want you focusing on God. The enemy does not want you loving your neighbor. The enemy does not want you to pray. The enemy does not want you to go to church. The enemy does not want you focused on God. He realizes that if you're focused on God, he is defeated. How many want to see a defeated enemy in here tonight? Love motivates us to obey his commandments. And now understand, we don't keep God's commandments to be saved. Understand now, there are some people who say, well, listen, pastor, uh, that's all cool and stuff talking about the commandments of God. But I'm, I'm not under the law. I'm under, I'm under grace. And I say amen to that. How many know we are under grace? Come on, say amen. You can't earn your way to heaven. But you know why we keep God's commandments? We don't keep them to be saved. We keep them because we are saved. Amen them because we are saved. Hebrews 8.10 shows us exactly what God wants to do with his commands, his law, his will. Read this with me. Hebrews 8.10 says, For this is the that I will make with the house of Israel. after those days, says the Lord. The Bible says, I will put my laws in their what? In their what, everybody? Notice now. And then the Bible says, and write them on their and I will be there. And they shall be my. Did you get that? That's I mean that that's really God's agenda. God's agenda simply is this: I want to put my law in your heart. In other words, God doesn't want us serving Him just because we have to. God wants us to serve Him because it's in our heart to. Come on, say Amen, somebody. Some of us do stuff we don't want to do. Come on, how many get up every day and go to work and you don't want to? How many wish that you could, somebody just dropped a billion dollars on you, you just stay home all day and do whatever you wanted to do, but you do it because you have to. Come on, say, but then there are some folk who go to work because they love to. Whether they got a check or not, they love doing what they're doing. Your pastor right here, whether I got paid or not, I would preach God's word because I love doing what I'm doing. And understand now, that's the kind of service God wants. God wants us to serve him, not because we have to, but because his law, somebody say his law. His law is in our hearts and it's in our mind. And then notice the conclusion there. He says, and then I'll be their God and they shall be my people. How many want him to be your God? Amen. Oh, this is very clear. The word of God is so clear. uh, Revelation 14, 12 also describes this. Now, uh, you're going to come back and join us sometime next week because we're going to really talk about the last days. And a lot of people are discussing the last days, particularly the book of Revelation reveals to us what's going to happen in the last days. And notice what Revelation says about what kind of people God is choosing in the last days. The Bible says here is the what? Patience of the what? Uh, In other words, those that follow God. Who, what, what do they look like? What do they look like? Tell us, Revelation 14, 12. The Bible says it right here. Here are those who do what? Keep the commandments, Keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Notice now, in the last days, God is going to have a people that belong to him. He's going to have a people so special and so connected with him that God's law, the commandments, will be in their hearts to the extent that they want to do it. And they'll have faith in Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. Say Amen. amen. Romans 13.10 breaks this down further, and I'm just trying to build a little foundation for where we're going tonight. The Bible says in Romans 13.10, therefore, what love. is the what? It's all about love. So to even fulfill God's law or keep it, it must be done out of the heart of love. Somebody say it's all about love. And then 1 John 5 and 2 says this. this is, I'm gonna, well, let me read this one to you. It says, this is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to what? Amen. Did everybody get that? I mean, like, there's a lot of people, and you know who they are. They run around here claiming that they love God, but they do the very opposite of what God asks them to do. Come on, say amen and hear somebody. Amen. I mean, and the Bible is very clear here. The Bible says, if we love God, we will do what, everybody? And and, and I like this. See, when you're in love with somebody, it's not a burden to do stuff. As a matter of fact, the Bible goes so far and says, he says, look, man, he says, and it's not a burden. It's not burdensome. I mean, if you have to go to church, then don't go. (laughs) If you just have to pray, and don't pray. If you just have to love your wife, come on in here, somebody. <laughs> well, I love you today. I have to love you. I got no choice. Uh, who wants that? And, and a lot of times, we don't see God as a person. God is a person. We were made in his image. He has feelings. Come on, say amen, somebody. He wants to be loved. But one of the things I like about God that we don't do it's God doesn't control our love, and I've said this over and over. If I were God, come on, say man, how many ever thought if you were God? Can we dream just for a little bit out there? Now, if we were God, tell the truth, y'all, it wouldn't be nobody alive. That's right. That's We'd be the only ones on the planet. Oh, come on in here, somebody. We would zap everybody that did us wrong. We come on in here, somebody. I mean, we. I mean, nobody out there would have. There'd be no forgiveness. There'd be no grace. But I thank God that he doesn't control us. He simply just loves us. John 14, 15. Help me. Tell me. It's just not clear. The Bible says, if you love me, keep my commands. Who says amen to the word of God? So what we discovered, what was the role of God's law? And I told you the role of God's law is to prevent chaos. If you don't have a stoplight, if you don't have a speed limit, then you have Pastor Edmonds with no tickets, first of all. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. <laughs> I have no tickets. Bless the Lord. East Cleveland wouldn't get me anymore. But there will be mayhem in the city of Cleveland. I mean, there's already mayhem, and we have laws. Come on, say amen, somebody. You can barely get in, people won't let you in in traffic anymore. I mean, there's mayhem with laws. Can you imagine what it'd be like without laws? So laws are given for protection. That's why that medium is there. How many ever gotten an accident and that medium kept you from rolling off of a cliff or, or killing yourself? Thanks be to God for his law, for his law gives, gives protection. And, and Psalms 19.7 just goes like and just says, the law of the Lord is perfect. It doesn't need changing. We need changing. Come on, say amen out there, everybody. Yes, yes, yes. And then the Bible says in verse 11, and in keeping them, his laws, there is great reward. Understand. Understand what I'm saying to you here. You cannot lose by obeying God. That's right. Oh, well, 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 we make sure you say that, Pastor. Because the Bible says you can't. It says there is great reward in obeying God. And and this is not in my notes. I just feel like telling somebody this tonight because you're debating just like that video we saw with that girl in the stool. You're debating. on. Here's a a tough part about trusting God and doing what he says. God always, am I telling the truth, God always calls you to do something that you don't want to do. I mean, if God told us to do what we wanted to do, everybody would follow him. Come on, say amen. But one of the reasons why we don't follow God's word is because it challenges us. It makes us come out of our comfort zone. It makes us take risks. It makes us stand on the precipice of our fears and look down and have to look up and say, what should I do? And then we come to ourselves and say, I have got to trust in God. Let me ask you a question. Since you're in control of your life, how's it working for you? Is it paying dividends? I don't know about you, but I, I've heard so many stories of people who just got sick and tired of their messed up lives. And they were so tired that they said, All right, God, I'm done. Here go the keys to the car. You drive. There was a great reward. Ephesians 2 8 tells us, though, no, but by grace we've been saved through faith. And that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God. Revelation 22, just review says, Blessed are those who do what? Yeah, you're blessed if you obey God, that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Let me get this clear. Nobody is going to heaven (laughs) who does not keep God's commandments. But people are not going to get into heaven because they keep his commandments. They're going to get in because they have a relationship with God. And because they have a relationship with God, it's a natural byproduct of the relationship that he's just been so good to me that I just want to do whatever he tells me to do. James 2.10 says, now watch this. Now, this is amazing. (laughs) This is why we need grace. For the Bible says, and you'll see this tonight. Because I'm going to break down the Ten Commandments. Whoever, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles. Now, the Bible didn't say break it. <laughs> the Bible said, man, you just stumbled. You, you broke it a little bit. Come on in here, somebody. I mean, it didn't say fall. It said stumbles at just one point. Is guilty of breaking all of it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Right. Did you hear that? Now, 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 let me ask a question. How many of y'all are super righteous in here? Where are my super saints at? Any, any super holy saints in here? No, nobody. You can't judge me. I can't judge you. You know why? Because all of us in here have stumbled in one point. That's right. And that's why we ought not be so careful to look at the faults of others. Because all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen. Where did the commandments start? We're moving now. We're already in. Notice what the Bible says. Because a lot of people feel like, and I'm going to blacken the screen for a second. You'll hear this. People will say, well, the commandments, we don't have to follow God's laws or keep his commandments. And they say that the commandments were from Moses. As a matter of fact, I've even heard some folks go so far as to say that commandment keeping is legalistic. In other words, they say it's anti-relationship and that anybody that focuses on keeping the commandments, there's something wrong with them. Well, can I tell you what's wrong with those people? They're biblical. Yeah, they follow the scriptures. And if there's something wrong with that, then that's all that's the only crime they've committed notice what the scripture says the bible says in psalms 103 20, bless the lord ye his angels that excel in strength that do his what amen. the bible says that the angels in heaven and they were created thousands and thousands of eons before we ever existed and they kept the commandments the commandments didn't start with moses the commandments have been around as long as god has been around come on say amen somebody Genesis 4-7, we even see this. Before Moses came along with, with 10 commandments that you see right there. Before Moses came along, Abel and Cain, there were children of Adam and Eve. Notice what God said to Cain after he killed his brother. He says, Genesis 4-7, if, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do well, if you do, if, if, and if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. How can there be sin if there is no law? For the Bible says sin is the transgression of the law. This is before Moses and God is accusing Cain of sin. What sin? Murder. But there were no Ten Commandments, Pastor. There was no law. That's the point. There has always been God's commandments. Wow. He just didn't need to write them down. Right. Explain that in a minute. Genesis 26.5 says, even of Abraham. But because Abraham, now notice now, the Ten Commandments came at the time of Moses, as we know it. But understand this, Abraham lived years before Moses, and notice what God says, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. In other words, commandments have been around as long as God has been around. Genesis 39.9, talking of Joseph. Joseph said this, after Potiphar's wife tried to get him on a one-night stand, Lord have mercy. What did Joseph Joseph say? He says, my master has withheld nothing from me, talking about his wife, except you, woman, because you are his wife. The Bible says, "How then could I do such a wicked thing, commit adultery, and sin against God?" But hold on, Joseph. Hold on, Joseph. There were no Ten Commandments then. That's all right. I don't need Ten Commandments written in stone because God had already showed me that there was not to be fornication or adultery because it is sin. Sin is the transgression of the law. And before Moses came, there was a law. That's right. amen. That's right. amen. Who says Amen? Now, let's, say, let's examine this thing. Are y'all buck, Now, buckle your seat belts. Look at your neighbor and tell them to buckle their seatbelts. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I mean, every time I do this, and I told you the commandments are like a mirror. They show you yourself. Are you ready to see yourself? Oh, come on now. Talk to me now. No, y'all ain't ready. I had two people said amen. Are you ready to see them, huh? Point them out, Pastor. No, no. How many are ready to see themselves tonight? Just uh, Are you ready? You. Nobody else. You. All right. Let's go. Let's examine God's law. All right, let's read it first. Exodus 20. This is when God's, what, God wrote it in tables of stone to Moses. And if you read this story at some point, go ahead, read Exodus 19 and 20 and so forth. and you'll discover that when God wrote the Ten Commandments, Moses didn't wrote them, but the, write them, but the Bible says, God took his finger. That's made, now that, that blows my mind. Uh, I heard songs, a song that says he's got the whole world in his hand. Yeah. Now how does God that has a whole world in his hand, take his big old finger? and write on tablets of stone. It's an amazing thing. But with his finger, he wrote these words. The Bible says, and God spoke all these words. I am the? Your? Who brought you out of? Out of the land of? Now, understand this. Notice, before God, watch this, y'all. Before God asks them to do anything, he first tells them what he did for them. Did you see that? Mm -hmm. Oh, another jump. Y'all missed that. Some of us complain. Well, I got to do what God says. Well, I don't feel like serving. I mean, why do I got to go? Why do I got to do this? Why do I got to do that? Notice now, God is not asking you to do anything that he hadn't already done for you. He says, I pulled you out of some stuff. Can I get a witness in here? Has anybody been pulled out of some stuff? And so he's simply saying, now, now let's understand this relationship now. Because of what I have done for you. Come on. (laughs) ha. He says, "Now watch this." He says, "You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above. <laughs> I like. I he, he covers all the bases. Or in the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not what everybody bow down to them, or what everybody, for I, the Lord, your God, am a." <laughs> Punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing what? Love to a thousand generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. And then he goes to the next commandment. Number three. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name, Lord, have mercy. Then he goes to the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your or your Lord. nor your male or female servant, nor your nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Verse 11 says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he did what? Rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Commandment number five. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Let me hear the parents say amen up in here. Come on. Verse 13, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You (laughs) have mercy or his male, or female servant, his ox, or his Lexus, or, oh, I'm sorry, (laughs) or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. How many agree with the Lord's Ten Commandments? How many know that that's the word of God? Come on, say amen. Come on, say, let me see your hands. How many agree with the Ten Commandments out there? It's the word of God. All right, so check this out. The Ten Commandments reveal Two principles that we need to extract right now. How many principles did I say everybody? Two. There are two principles and the Ten Commandments are divided in two sections. Now this is what I want you to do right now before we go any further. I want you to look at the person beside you. I want you to teach them what I just taught you. Tell them that there are two principles. All right and say the commandments are broken up in two sections. All right let's go. All right the two principles are number one the first section is love for the second section is love for man. love for man. Now, all the commandments on the left side represent our relationship to God. They are vertical. Somebody say vertical. They are all about our relationship to God. And understand how the commandments work. If our love relationship with God is right, then our love relationship with man will be right. Can I explain something to you right now? One of the best ways that you can tell how close you are to God is how you relate to people that mistreat you. How many need help out there? I know I do. Because notice now, love for God has its effect in how we treat man. Notice, honor thy father and thy mother. They don't got nothing to do with God directly. That's to do with parents and people in authority. I'll talk about that. Do not kill. I mean, not God. You can't kill him. Do not commit adultery. Uh, uh, Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not covet. These are about love for. And the ones on the left are about love for. One more time. The ones on the left are love for. And the ones on the right are love for man. All right, all right. I got me a class up in here tonight. So notice this. Now, one of the things I discovered is I told you that the law of God, actually, each one of the principles reveals a characteristic of who God is. I said that the law of God is really God's character. Are you ready for this? No other gods before me. You know what the revelation is? God is saying, I am irreplaceable. All right? Number two, no graven images. You know what God is saying about himself? He says, don't change me. This is an issue of worship. Stay right here, y'all. Stay. Oh, please. I'm telling you, the stuff is going to be good if you just hold on a little while. longer. Look at your neighbor and tell him, just hold on. Tell him, be patient. I'm going somewhere tonight, all right? Ah, commandment number three, don't take my name in vain. You know what? That's a revelation of God's care. It says, don't misrepresent me. Number four, remember the Sabbath day. What is that saying about God? It says, don't forget me. Ah, number five, honor thy father and thy mother. What is that saying? It says, I am your father. (laughs) Amen? Uh, uh, Commandment number six, do not murder. Oh, this is easy. I am life. Therefore, don't hurt people. Come on, say amen. And then the number seven says, do not commit adultery. What does this reveal about God? I am faithful. Yeah. Commandment number eight, do not steal. What does this reveal about God? I'll show you and do not lie. I usually use those together because they're interlinked. You can't steal without lying. You can't lie without stealing. Come on. Yeah. Do not steal. God saying, I'm a giver. I, matter of fact, I am the giver. Do not lie. I am the truth. Matter of fact, there's a Bible text for each one of these. And number 10, do not covet. What is God saying? I'm all you need. Come on in here, somebody. Come on in here. And so what do they mean specifically for us? Now buckle your seatbelts. This is when we're all about to get exposed right now. Are you ready? To have no other gods. What does that mean? That means we worship God only. The first commandment is saying, look, I'm not going to be in competition with anybody else. You worship me only. I am, your, I am the supreme priority in your life. Let me say very quickly, God does not want to be first. God wants to be only. That's right. That's Amen. Number two, thou shalt not make any idols. What does this mean? We will accept God for who he is and not try to remake him or replace him. You know what an idol is? It's when we take anything that God has given us and we make that more important than God. That's easy to do. Sometimes we worship our kids. Sometimes we put our marriages before God. You cannot put the source. Come on in here, somebody before your little stuff. He gave it to you in the first place. Number three, you shall not misuse his name. Now, this is deep. Sometimes people think that taking the name of the Lord, uh, taking the Lord's name in vain is simply saying a bad word. Oh, it's much more than that. The word, the, 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 the idea of name in the Bible represents character. Yeah, yeah. So you know what God is saying? He's saying, don't take my, don't misrepresent or disrespect my character. That's right. All right. I don't want people to be confused about who I am. So even when you say a word that's inappropriate or even when you give a false impression of who I am by the way you live. To say that you are a Christian and to do unchristian things is to take the name of the Lord in vain. Remember the Sabbath. What does this teach us? Jesus is saying, he says, I want to spend the seventh day of the week with you exclusively. I want a date night. (laughs) Matter of fact, I want a date day. I want you to rest from life's cares and get reconnected with me. Number five, honor father and mother. What does this teach us? Uh, Is to teach us to love, honor, obey, and respect authority, especially those who bore us and raised us. In other words, we learn how to respect God by how, learning how to respect those that raised us. And I know some of you are thinking right now that you have some toe up, sorry, good for nothing parents. Pastor, do I still honor a mother or a father that abandoned me and rejected me? And the word of God does not say, honor thy good mother and father. It does not say, honor the good police officers, honor the good politicians, honor the good pastors. It says, I'm trying to teach you how to respect. I'm trying to teach you how to act right, even though people don't act right. Number six, you shall not murder. Now, this is teaching us. Now, a lot of us think that uh, we ain't never committed this sin. I mean, there's a great majority of us who says I've never killed anybody a day in my life. But you know what this really means in the spirit realm of the word of God? It means any attempt or thought to hurt somebody is murder. Look at, you know what Jesus says of this same commandment in Matthew, the fifth chapter? He says, even if you are angry with your brother, you have committed murder. That's right. Amen. Any murderers out there today? Yeah. <laughs> Number seven, shall not commit adultery. I could, I could tarry here tonight. Yeah. Any lust or sexual activity, watch the language here, that is outside a loving marital relationship is adultery. And know what Jesus even says? Jesus even says, He said, He says, He says, your adultery is not just having sex with somebody who is not your husband or your wife. Huh, he says, even if you have the thought of lust in your mind for something that does not belong to you or an inappropriate idea, pornography, come on in here. Some he says, that is adultery. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Number eight, you shall not steal. Uh, to take is the Hebrew word for steal, it means to take. Right. Now, watch this. It really gives us the idea of having strict integrity. God, why do you got to teach this during tax season? Strict integrity. You are stealing when you overreach at work and spend more time on your lunch break than you're supposed to. When you purposely try to deceive your boss, and are overreaching your character is on the line that's not integrity never overreaching or taking advantage of someone knowingly or unknowingly is to steal see you thought it was just robbing the bank like the pastor did the other night when he told the story (laughs) number nine shall not give fault now lord have mercy help help us on this thing (laughs) If I say, any the liars in here tonight? No, I ain't never lying. I'm not a liar. I can't. A matter of fact, let me ask you how many of you guys like liars out there? Most of us can't stand liars. Guess what? Then you don't like yourselves. Everybody lies. Everybody lies. Everybody lies. Everybody lies. Can I show you how? Any attempt to deceive or mislead in any way is a lie. You don't even have to say anything to lie. <laughs> Any attempt to deceive or mislead is a lie. (laughs) I'm I'm not going to say what I want to say. Number 10, shall not covet. You know what shall not covet is? It is self-centeredness and selfishness in all its forms. Are prohibited here. It is a lack of contentment. See, when we when we want something that does not belong to us, or are jealous of somebody else because of what they have, it shows that we're not satisfied with God. That's right. Can I tell you something right now? Everything you need in life, God has given you. Amen. So somebody in here is homeless right now, and you're like, "Are you serious?" I'm telling you right now, if everything God is so good that He is no, He is never deficient in His godness. If he is your God... And you are alive, then he knows exactly what he's doing. Oh, thank you, Jesus. To provide everything you need. That's why the Bible says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. There's never a need for us to be unsatisfied or discontented with what we have or what we don't have because God is going to take care of his people. There's no need to steal or lie or be jealous or hate on somebody else because of what they have. Because my God, is he your? That's the question tonight. Is he your God? If he's your God, he's yeah. got your back. Look at somebody. Please encourage them. This is not just for fanfare, but tell somebody, God's got your back. Yes, sir. God's he's got, God's God's got your back. back. Baby. back? <laughs> now, what you missed and what I want to tell you is that there are eight don'ts in the commandments, and there are two do's. Tell your neighbor what I just taught you. Matter of fact, when you think of the commandments, the first thing that you think of is thou shalt not. Oh, that's right. All right. Oh, brothers and sisters, one of the things I've discovered from Scripture, and we told you that Satan hates God's law, he hates all of God's law, but there are two commandments in particular that he hates, and he hates the do commandments. Oh, he hates the do commandments. Or oh, yeah. oh, yeah. oh, anybody can say, "Oh, I don't do this. I don't." Well, what do you do? <laughs> you. Now, for any theologians out there, can I can I give you a little theology real quick? One of the things you have to understand about Hebrew literature and the Ten Commandments were written by Hebrews is that in Hebrew literature, they wrote their uh, they, they wrote their literary works in a chiasm. Now, what does that mean, Pastor? In a triangle. In other words, sometimes when we speak, we make our most powerful points at the end. But the Hebrews made their most powerful points in the middle. One of the things you understand about the commandments are the commandments that are at the heart, at the heart of the commandments are the ones that are in the middle, the fourth and fifth commandments are ones that Satan hates. Amazingly, though, no one will argue with the fifth commandment. But one of the things I've discovered, and you obviously must have noticed when we went through the Ten Commandments, that there are pretty much nine that everybody would agree with. Man, don't have any other gods before you. Man, don't make any idols. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. I mean, listen, man, even thugs know that it's I mean they may say it but people will know I mean to say take the Lord names Lord the name of the Lord in vain I mean people that don't even know God feel there's something wrong with that I mean look at television there's certain words you can't even say on television why is that are they Christians no they just know that there are certain things that should not be said but then, but why is it that all that there are nine commandments that are in style but there's one commandment in particular that gets no play did we not just discover that if we love him, we ought to keep all of his commandments? And the Bible says if we stumble in one point of the commandments, then we have, we have not kept them all. Now, I'm sorry. I have to go here tonight. But why? You've got to ask the question. Why is it that there are nine that people will agree? Yes, we agree. We should not cheat on our wives. We should not lie. We should not steal. Who? How many of y'all want folks just come in your house and ransack? Nobody wants to be lied on. Matter of fact, you want to see somebody get upset? Show me somebody that's been lied on. Oh, who who are you to lie on? you you, You are ready to go to blows with somebody for lying on you. We don't like people overreaching. We don't like people lying. And parents, come on, talk to me now. Whether you are Christian or not, how many of you parents just welcome disrespect from your children? nobody trips that's urban language for getting upset nobody is bothered by nine but there's one that we have a problem with and can I tell you why notice what 2nd Corinthians 10 says the bible says for though we live in the we do not wage war as the the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the on the contrary they have divine power to demolish strongholds number five we demolish what And every what? That sets itself up against the? Whoa, watch that. Did y'all see that? What's the enemy's desire? I told we've been teaching this. His desire is to prevent us from knowing God. Can I throw this out here real quick? If God is so, he is so confident in himself. Let me say it like that. He's so confident in his love. That he believes that if people really get to see him as he really is, without the lies of Satan, without the deceit, without the fear that people put on God, without the misrepresentation. God believes if people really knew me as I was, then they would serve me. Yeah. But the enemy knows if I can keep them. Lord, oh, come on, hear me now. If I can keep them from really seeing God as he is, then I can keep them from serving God. That's why the enemy does everything he can to misrepresent God. Character assassination. He doesn't want people to know God. Let me ask you a question. Which of the commandments does the devil specifically hate because it focuses on worship and who God is? One of the things I've discovered is the Bible teaches that worship is everything. Who we worship represents who is our God. Whatever you worship, that's your God. And there is a commandment that specifically talks about worship and God's law. It is the Sabbath. And notice it is at the heart of God's commandments. Now, what's the big deal? Uh, Let's talk about this tonight. uh, This is just word. I know you're saying uh, you're a Seventh-day Adventist preacher. You're supposed to say this. But I want to ask a biblical question. What's the deal with this happening? Why is it that nine are so clearly unarguable? But one is always up for discussion. As a matter of fact, most of Christendom does not even focus on all 10. Most of Christianity focuses on nine. Can I show you why? It's the enemy. Let's go to the word. Watch this. Let's go back to creation. In Genesis 1 and verse 27, the Bible says, so God created man in his own what? In the image of God, God, he created him. All right, stay with me then god saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good so y'all see the picture now god made everything he made adam he made eve he made animals i mean he, he separated atmospheres i mean he spoke this stuff into exist spoke the sun into existence come on now wow what a mighty god we serve and then he took adam and eve and the bible says that with adam he got down i love telling this story the bible says that god looked at himself i don't know how you do that but I believe he can. Come on, say amen. He don't need a mirror. God looked at himself, looked at dirt, looked at himself, looked at dirt, and then said, I'm going to turn dirt to look exactly like me. And the Bible says he began to fashion with his own hands. He said, I can't talk this one out, but i have got to use both my hands and my mouth. And the Bible says he began to shape and craft after his own likeness and image, man. And then, watch this, man is the only one where God uses hands and his mouth. The Bible says he crafted him in his own image with his hands he he fixed his eyelashes and his eyebrows with detail he put follicles of hair under his nose with detail he put wrinkles in between his fingers so that he could bend them with detail he put more flesh around his knees so that there was flexibility and when he finally finished and I didn't even get to nervous systems and muscle systems and and his heart and, and his brain Lord have mercy and notice what after all of that then God put his mouth on him and the Bible says God It's inhaled air, and the Bible says he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Wow! Can I go here tonight? You're not junk. I don't care how far away from from God's likeness you may feel. Know this. You were made, and you were in the mind of God before you were even born, Jeremiah says. God said, I thought of you. How dare you think of taking your life? Or how dare you question if you have value? Your God breathed. He fought you into existence. Aren't you, Jesus? And then when he was done, he said, that's very good. Huh? Cellulite, that's very good. Love handles, that's very good. Nappy hair, that's very good. White nose, that's very good. God says, I created you in my image. And don't, don't you listen to the devil. You were made in the image of God. And the Bible said, now, now I, wish, I wish I could have just had a seat at creation. You know what I'm saying? Just to watch God do his thing. And then the Bible says on the sixth day, he started with, he started one, two, three, four, five, six, and the crowning act of his creation, man was, was created on day number six. Yeah. Oh. Now watch this. Now see, no, now look, think relationally. Think relationally. Let me ask you a question. When a mother has a baby, My God. I hate Come on. amen? I've seen situations where the baby was born with sickness and one of the most difficult things is when they have to take that baby and they cannot put it with with the mother immediately. And for a time they have to uh, quarantine it somewhere until it's stable. And there's even been research done where they have taken orphan babies who have not been touched and the babies have died. Notice God now, think relationally. God says, after I've created man, the first thing I wanna do with them is spend time with them. Watch this. Genesis 2 and verse 1. The Bible says, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. So God was done his work. And then the Bible says, On the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done. And verse 2, Then it says, He rested. Whoa. And that's that's some deep, I don't have time to get into. But God said, I'm going to keep my Sabbath says he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done then God now I'm sorry there is no other text in the Bible that says he blessed any other day look no show me it says then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it he did that not Moses I really don't even need to use any other scriptures. At creation, creation was the ideal world that God created for us. That's the standard of how life should be lived. He did, he did not change that. The Bible says he sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which he, which, which God had created and made. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. So the Bible says he sanctified it. What does that mean? The Bible To sanctify means to set aside, to make special. Amen. Holy, when somebody, when somebody calls you holy, that don't mean perfect. <laughs> holy means special. Mm-hmm. How many know that there are some prostitutes out there that don't know any better, that are caught up in their own rut, yeah. but God says they're special. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. They just don't know it yet. Yeah. Are you hearing me, somebody to to, to set aside means to make special? What am I saying? God said I made the seventh day special. Mark two twenty seven. Jesus adds on to this. One of the amazing things is people that talk about the Sabbath, they're always saying that's Old Testament. Um, Okay, listen. um, Can I can I show you a New Testament text? The Bible says the Sabbath Jesus. These are Jesus words was made for man, not for the Jews. It was made for who? Man. Man. And the Greek word for man is anthropos, which means humanity. It was made, and I'm going to show you why he made it for man. I'm going to talk about that on Thursday. Listen, if you are stressed out, if you are worried, sick, if you you have a lot of drama and stuff going on and fights and stuff going on in your life, you cannot miss Thursday. Oh, I can't wait to teach you this thing. This is what the world needs right now. I'm telling you right now. The Bible says the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. These are the words of Christ. Therefore, Jesus says, the son of man, Jesus, the Sabbath is Christian, is also Lord of the what? Sabbath. Of the Sabbath. So since creation, Satan has been trying to delete the knowledge of God in our minds. In what two ways? Number one, Here it goes. Two things. Number one, what are the two institutions established in the Garden of Eden? God set up marriage in Eden and He set up the Sabbath. So he's trying to attack families. Come on, talk to me in here. Come now, don't know. I need somebody. Come on. Am I telling the truth? I mean, this family thing has gone crazy in our world now. Crazy. I mean, parents killing children, children killing parents. There's more divorce in the church than there is in the world. You know why that is, because folk in the world don't even believe in marriage anymore, and they ain't getting married. There's molestation, there's abuse, and I'm telling you, all this is created in the satanic mind of Satan because he knows, watch this now, it's all about knowing God. He says the best way to get people not to love God is to start early. Get them in their families, get their fathers to not love them, get get mothers to abandon them, get divorce happening, have abuse to happen and stuff to happen early on. I read a study in my doctoral work uh, and it says that a child's conception of God is based on their relationship with their father and they make this conception before they are seven years old. We see God the way we see our fathers. Now, talk to me now. In the United States, 40% of babies are born outside of wedlock. In the black community, 70% of babies are born outside of wedlock. And a lot of our kids don't even know who their daddy is. So don't tell me that they know who God is. What Satan is doing is working. What's the other thing? He's attacked. And he he did this on the down low. He did this slick. The Sabbath is no longer a big deal anymore. I mean, we work ourselves to death. Every day is just like any other day. It amazes me because people will say that, They say, Pastor, I, I worship every day. You should. You should. Can I, but can I illustrate it this way? Can you imagine? Uh, my lovely wife. Um, we've been married now, what, uh, 11 years? Watch it now. See, Pull it together, brother. Pull it together. Huh? Uh, technically, 10. We're going into 11 in July. But you know, one of the things I've noticed is, you know, uh, look, man, I can tell my wife I love her every day, you know, and come home, give her a kiss. And look, if I miss the anniversary, though, if I miss birthdays, yeah. oh, my bad, I forgot. Really? Oh, no, and <laughs> hey, look, and my wife is so demanding, and it's a good thing because we need this in our marriages. We've got to have a date night every week. You, uh, let's just be. Can we just talk for a minute? Can we talk for a minute? If the way our lives are so busy and we're so stressed and we got so much going on, if you don't plan to spend time with somebody, and so that's why I say to all the folks, I worship God every day, but if you don't plan to spend time with him when he said spend time with him, then your relationship with him will be missing an ingredient that he designed for you to have. Now, let me break this down real quick. Watch this. Watch how the law of God is being attacked. Now, we said the law of God is divided into how many sections? And the first section is love to? And the second section is love to? In the Garden of Eden, the law of God is revealed in the Sabbath and in marriage because the marriage institution represents our love for each other and the Sabbath represents our love for God. Watch this. Satan has made war on both. Can I get a witness in here? Yeah. And so notice this, 2,500 years later or so, after, e, after the Garden of Eden, yeah. God's people had totally forgot about the Sabbath. Yeah. That's right. And you know what God, and so watch this. So he says what? Rem- now let me ask you a question. If you came to my house for the first time ever, and I said to you, remember to take out the trash, is that unfair? How can I tell you to remember to do something that I've never asked you to do? Remember suggests that I asked you to do it before. God would not say remember if he's introducing something new. He's saying, y'all forgot about the Sabbath, so I'm coming back to you now saying, remember the Sabbath day. And let me tell you why. He's saying, remember the seventh day Sabbath, because if you forget the day that I want to spend with you, then you're going to forget me. That's why the Bible says, and so this is what happens. What happens is, in our sense, looking at our world. We have a forgotten God. We have people with meaningless lives. And we have an identity crisis. Now, let me just throw this out here. Put, put my religion aside. And let me just, tell me if this is a good idea. If we gave God 24 hours of our time once a week, don't you think you'd be a better person? Yeah, yeah. And so, But listen, our society, we give God about two hours of planned time. We go to church. Going to church is not keeping the Sabbath. The Sabbath is 24 hours. It's a whole day. He says it's the seventh day. Hmm. Remember. If we listen, here it is. God is relational. He's what, everybody? Uh, there's a song written by Larnell Harris. I don't remember all the words, but I remember this one phrase. He, The song says, I miss my time with you. This is what God is saying those moments together. Do you understand? Your God wants to spend time with you. And understand, that's why That's why the Bible says six days you should labor. In other words, I give you six. I just want one out of seven where it's totally devoted to me. Is that fair? I mean, is he not worthy of that? Don't go to work, he said. Gather your family together. And and see, the thing is, is in our minds, we're like, man, what would I do with God for a whole day? What you should be asking is, what would God do with me? (laughs) Almost done. Sabbath is 24 hours of uninterrupted time with and for God. The Sabbath gives men an advance on eternity. I'm going to break that down in a second. All right. The Sabbath is the closest thing to heaven on earth. You ever heard that song? It's a gospel song that came out a little while back. Let's get back to Eden, live on top of the world. Yeah, I like that song. But you know what the point is? Man, look. You know when we get to heaven, you know what the heaven is going to be? It's going to be being with God all the time. So now notice what God does. God is giving us practice. He said, look, if you can't hang with me for a whole day, then how are you going to hang with me for eternity? How are you going to do that? Look, some of us struggle just to spend five minutes with God on a Monday, on a Tuesday. We, we barely can drag ourselves out to come to, to Bible study or church. But he said, listen, on Saturday, the seventh day, I want you to block that day off. Tell your employer you ain't coming to work. <laughs> but pastor, you don't understand. I got to provide for my family. No, you don't. God does. That's the lie that the enemy wants to tell you that you have to provide. Hold on. The Bible doesn't say you should provide. The Bible says I'm Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Again, let's go back to number one commandment. If you put God before, if you put him first, then he will take care of your stuff. I ask you tonight, is he your God? And preparing for the Sabbath is like preparing for the coming of Jesus. So notice now. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday's at the end, the seventh day's at the end. Jesus is coming at the end of time. So notice, the sab- preparing for the Sabbath and our appointment with God is like preparing for the end of time. God is giving us practice on getting ready for the end of time. Do you see what God... And so watch this now. That's why Satan does not want us keeping God's Sabbath because he doesn't want anybody to be ready when God comes back. He wants you to be so stressed with paying your bills and so stressed with work and so stressed with living life and so stressed doing your thing so that you just totally are oblivious. I'm going to end with this story. Listen, I love telling this story. I love telling this story. I, I have to tell it every time I preach on the Sabbath. There's a movie called The Notebook. How many of y'all saw that movie? Come on out here. Look, man, now listen. If you didn't see it, I'm telling you. Go rent the movie. Go to Redbox. Go get it. Go get it. It's a good movie. Man, I'm reason- listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a dude, and I, I'm, I, don't like, I don't like chick flicks. I'm just being honest. But come on, brothers. If any brothers ever seen an old boy, you got to admit, this was a good one right here. Come on, say amen. Man, that thing was good. Come on in here. I, I can't front. And my wife dragged me to watch that thing, and I said, man, ain't no action in here. Nothing's going to blow up. What? There's no special effects? I don't want to see this. Man, but this thing was powerful. And you know I'm a preacher, man, so I'm looking, oh, I see that. So check this out. In the story, basically the movie is uh, Robert, uh, no, what's his name? Uh, What's that brother's name? James Garner. James Garner Garner plays a husband who is dealing with a wife who is dealing with either dementia or Alzheimer's. She cannot remember. And so throughout the movie, he is writing in his journal, (laughs) in his notebook, to his wife of their life's story, their love story. And throughout the movie, you will, deci- you will begin to see that when he goes to visit her in, in, in the nursing home, she, she doesn't even know who he is. And it's a gut-wrenching, painful thing. His wife that he's been married to for years, one, and one scene, the children come to see her, and she has no idea who they are. She has forgotten. But when he opens his book and begins to read to her the love story, all of a sudden, she has a moment of clarity. Yeah. And, and her eyes light You saw it, right? Her eyes light up. And she looks at her husband. I don't remember his name. But she goes, oh, James, I love you. And they began to have about five minutes of remembrance. And the amazing thing about that movie, as I think about it now, is how... <laughs> He lived his life in those final days with her just for that one moment. Well, as the movie progressed, she began to get worse. Of course, she passed. And I said, man, that thing reminds me of the Sabbath. We have forgotten God. God with all the stuff we got going on in our lives. Tell the truth. I know you love God, but isn't it easy to forget God every now and then? And so you know what God says? Let me ask one more. Isn't it easy to forget God every now and then? I'm a preacher. I got Bibles all in my house. My house looks like a seminary. Uh And I forget God. Don't sit up here and look at me like you don't forget God. You get busy. Life gets the best of you. And like this woman, you go into spiritual amnesia. But God says, see, I understand how that works. And see, when I created the Sabbath in the beginning with Adam and Eve, they were perfect. And they needed the Sabbath. They couldn't forget. Did you hear that? He made the Sabbath before there was sin. If Adam and Eve who never forgot anything needed the Sabbath, how much more of us who are prone to forget with all the issues in our life, we definitely need this thing. And so God says, if I could just get 24 hours with them, if I could just get them to just chill, if I can get them to just relax. If I can get them to just cl- turn off the television and, and and put down the newspaper and, 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 and put down the, the, the work schedule and just relax in my nature and relax in my presence and, and, and read my word and spend time with their families and just get rejuvenated and get refilled and get reconciled because when you leave the time in God's presence, you're going to go back out and deal with all the hell and all the dreams every time you turn on the news the enemy is trying to steal your faith every time you hang with friends the enemy is trying to steal your faith there are so many things competing for your faith that's why God says that's all right I got a remedy for you just know that the end of the week I'm waiting on you and I'm gonna open my love letter and I want to spin I, I miss my time with you those moments together. I need to be with you each day. And it hurts me when you say you're too busy. Listen, I know this is not popular. Come on, Michelle. I know this is not. Pop- Listen, I know what what I am saying. I mean, this this will revolutionize your life. This will make you think twice about what you've been taught. Don't tell me that what I have shared with you tonight is not the word of God. And it makes sense. You need it. Oh, Father in heaven tonight. We're asking you in the name of Jesus. This commandment right here. We see how the enemy has isolated it. And how he has taken it away. And now barely anybody follows this commandment. Whole denominations and churches, they pay you lip service. And God doesn't mean that they're going to hell or they don't know you. It just means that we need, we have amnesia and we need to be reacquainted with your word. Nobody's better than anybody else. No, it's just that this is about you, God. This is not about our feelings and about our pride. You're saying to us personally, I want you to keep my Sabbath. I want you to keep all my commandments, but I want you to give me one day. And it's not for me. The Sabbath is made for you. Hallelujah. Tonight, all over this place, Lord, there are stressed out people. There are burdened people. And if you could just get them by themselves, if you could just get them in a day where they can look forward to it, they can put their cares aside, and they can be in your presence, then their whole perspective would change. In Jesus' name, amen. Right now, I want you to take out your cards. You have those cards that, you know, we want to pray for you. Well, I know what I've shared tonight is, it's going to be life-changing for some of you. Some of you want to try this thing. That's what I'm saying, try it.